3: Today, we have another migration and habitat report for you, and this is somewhat of a bonus bonus episode because we will be speaking simultaneously with the state waterfowl biologist, from two states, uh, specifically out in the Pacific Northwest, the states of Washington and Oregon. So with that, let me welcome in those two guests. First, Kyle Spriggins, the Waterfowl Section Manager for Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. And Brandon Reiches, the Migratory Game Bird Coordinator for Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. Brandon, same to you. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah,
4: thanks for having me.
3: You guys are joining us here today, just sort of in full disclosure for our listeners, because we're going to also talk with you about another issue that will be a more extended discussion specifically related to Harvest management of geese in the Pacific Northwest and some of the unique things that have to go into place to enable uh, responsible harvest of goose populations. But I thought as long as we had you on the on the phone here, it would be useful and perhaps informative to our waterfowl hunters and constituents out west to get a report from each of you, sort of from the field, what we're hearing with regard to waterfowl migration. Uh, habitat conditions, any type of weather developments, lack of weather, whatever the case may be. But I just wanted to take advantage of this opportunity. And, and again, as I, I, I try to do with these these sort of bonus episodes to let our listeners know when we are recording them. And today we are recording on December 22nd, so just a few days before Christmas. Hope, hopefully this will be out uh, sometime during the Christmas week. So with that, uh, Kyle, I'll start with you just because you're in a state that's a bit farther north. What can you tell our listeners about, uh, about what you know with regard to habitat conditions, waterfowl abundances, uh, and, and so forth? Just give us an update there.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. So it's important to realize that Washington uh, had sort of two, two, two faces, uh, the west of the Cascade and east of the Cascade. And the reason that's important is west side of the state is highly influenced by birds coming down from Alaska east side of the state is highly influenced by birds coming out of the prairies in alberta and some of the inland portions of bc so when you're watching when you're watching weather to the north you're kind of keeping eyes on both areas depending on where you are in the state um for washington you know we had a we had a fairly early pulse everything kind of lined up for the beginning of the season really well um from temperatures and precip and everything that you would kind of be hoping would would come together for an opening weekend uh but more recently it's it's stalled out we are definitely in sort of the stalled out phase of birds have been here for a while and they are not really being pressured by temperatures to move around and find food uh you know some of the indicators of of you know has the north the northerns come down uh what we we tend to watch is uh you know are the swans in the area and do some of our species that we would expect to push that sort of northern limit uh have they really arrived in numbers and, and specifically the swans and the snow geese are the ones that you kind of keep an eye on and both of those are here in the state so in in strong numbers already so it's one of those there might be some birds hiding to the north but the reality is, is temperatures and everything else certainly seem to indicate that they're they're here they're just not being uh they're not feeling the pressure to to move around and uh in and, and find the food in different areas just yet.
3: That's not unlike what we're hearing, Kyle, from some of the states here east of the Rockies. Uh, we speak with a lot of our state bi- state biologist partners uh, here I guess more locally, the southern end of the Mississippi Flyway, a lot of those agencies actually conduct aerial surveys or ground surveys of some sorts on a monthly basis or in some cases even more frequently than that. Do you in Washington conduct any type of surveys during, during the winter months, either ground-based or aerial?
1: Uh, it's fairly limited, uh, much less so than it used to be. Uh, the main surveys that we conduct are related to snow geese. Uh, Brant and the swans, not that we, not that they're harvestable, but in terms of keeping tracks of track of waterfowl populations, those are the three that we do have winter flights that inform sort of what is the population at. We, we did, we have on the West side of the state, West of the Cascades, uh, we have a winter survey for snow geese, uh, that spans, um, the British Columbia side, the Fraser river Delta, and then our side, the Skagit uh, river Delta, two big agricultural open river floodplain areas that are sort of classic winter, um, areas, uh, those snow geese are, are related to the ones that are coming down from Rangel Island, Russia. Uh, and so we have sort of a heightened, uh, monitoring protocol around those. And then on the East side of the state with a major effort from Brandon's side, uh, we conduct sort of a, a synchronized fly off count just to kind of get idea of how many snow geese are in that area. The only other survey that we conduct is we, we have a, pretty limited Brant harvest opportunity. Brant is a sea goose, uh, very popular in some of the coastal areas of Washington. Uh, we have four counties that we allow that limited opportunity. And one of those is actually triggered by an annual winter count. So we, we're gearing up right now to, to pull off
3: that flight. When do you conduct your snow goose surveys?
1: Typically in the earlier part of December. Part of that for us is on the west side, we have some closure periods. And so we try to take advantage of the birds not being mixed up and pushed around by harvest pressure. And so we try to get a, a better, a better count uh, on those. Um, but uh, yeah, it, typically in that sort of earlier December period.
3: And do you don't have any reports on that survey off the cuff right now, do you? I realize I'm, I might be catching you off guard with this.
1: We're processing it right now. It's over a hundred thousand birds. I know that, but uh, sort of the exact number. We're still, we're still honing in on what that looks
3: like. Okay good and let's talk about uh, hunting any type of reports on hunting success uh, and, and I do realize that you guys as a state waterfowl biologist probably hate these questions more than anyone else you want to know when people ask you how's the hunting going because it's it's always so variable I get that we have to provide that caveat up front but from a like if someone calls you and says hey it's are you hearing better reports out of the eastern part of the state out of the western part of the state are there any particular subregions that you have heard heard more favorable than disfavorable uh, reports from this year?
1: Uh, the general descriptions that we've been hearing are that the duck hunting in particular has kind of has kind of stalled out, like I was mentioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is certainly some goose opportunity um, that in different parts of the state. In the east side of the state, it's much more oriented towards Canada goose harvests. Uh, on the west side, up in that Skagit sort of northwest corner of the state. Um, as I mentioned, we had a closed period on the snow geese. So we just had sort of a second period opener uh, that definitely um, registered some harvest uh, potential there. And then from the ducks, typically the west side, when it's in this sort of stall out period, the west side, because we have a lot of coastal tidal areas. There there are patches of opportunity out there if you can find it uh, because birds are moving with the tide rather than sort of the freshwater resources. And so, uh, yeah, coastal sort of coastal influence on the uh, duck hunting side and and goose hunting opportunities sort of hit or miss depending on where you are and what's the, what's in the surroundings in terms of food.
0: You and your dog are a team.
3: Brandon, I'll go to you now and ask ask you for a similar report. What are you hearing or what are you seeing? If you, I don't know if y'all conduct any surveys, you can fill me in on that, but what are you hearing with regard to uh, waterfowl numbers, sort of migration status, habitat conditions in your state?
4: Pretty similar to what Kyle uh, talked about. So just like Washington, when you're talking about hunting success and, and, and kind of what the waterfowl population looks like throughout the winter, um, you really have to look at, two different sides of the state east and the west so everything west of the cascades is is more lower elevation predominantly wintering habitat you know we do breed some birds but it's you know it'd be something that you'd be looking like in the southern mississippi flyway where you know most of your birds are are coming in from somewhere else for the winter whereas in eastern oregon uh, there are some areas, lower elevation areas that are wintering areas, specifically along the Columbia, but most of that habitat is higher elevation breeding habitat with some significant areas where a lot of birds will stage in the fall. Um, so those areas, they're, they're you know, they're wrapping up for the season, um, you know, seeing freezing temperatures, things like that. And then in, on the west side of the state, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, there's birds, birds available for the whole season. We do not conduct any surveys throughout the season to assess abundance of, of, of migrants or, or wintering birds or, or over time. We do have a couple of population level surveys where it's, you know, we take one shot every winter to assess snow goose populations and, and a few things like that. The only exception to that would be um, in South Central Oregon at our Summer Lake Wildlife Area, a pretty large area that the department owns, where we do a weekly uh, driving census. And again, though that area is is you know kind of wrapping up for the season. There's always some birds there. but instead of the you know 50, sixty thousand ducks that we might estimate in in early October, we're down to you know five or six thousand that we're estimating now. and that's that's our typical overwintering number for that area. Overall this year, uh, things started out really well, um, especially in western Oregon. Um, our barometer then becomes what we hear from hunters, maybe what we personally experience in the field, and then what we see at our state wildlife areas where we have check stations. So typically the one in Western Oregon we look at is Salve Island Wildlife Area outside of Portland. We had a fantastic start to the season there. Contin- you know, Usually opening day is good. It was good. But then we, we continue that ho- relatively high bird per hunter success all the way into early November. Then things kind of started to stagnate. We'd had some, you know, some precipitation to fill some wetlands, but not, uh, you know, a significant um, major rain events. And we just haven't had the cold temperatures like Kyle said. We haven't had any prolonged below zero or below freezing events um, here in western Oregon. And we typically don't get extremely cold where everything locks up for an extended period, but, you, you know, you do, you do expect some some icy mornings. We really haven't had any of that. So, you know, most of the birds are likely here. That's just general migration chronology, but they're not being pressured. We finally had um, our first significant flood-up rain event uh, of the year just over the past weekend. I looked at the, 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 the weather stations. looks like we had, you know, close to three inches of rain through a lot of the Willamette Valley tons and tons of sheet water out there i took a drive yesterday and so you know for the hunters that were able to respond to that you know there's 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 certainly some birds that are exploiting some some new habitats whether or not they're new birds or not you know that's debatable but you know when they're exploiting those new habitats you know they they certainly tend to act like new birds or are more predisposed to that so there's probably some folks that had some success doing that but on the flip side if you're stuck in the same blind all the time and you went from having, you know, that kind of really nice one to one foot to 18 inches of water to three feet of water, you probably lost all your puddle ducks. So, so that's kind of where we're at. Um, goose numbers continue to be strong. I know folks are doing pretty well uh, here locally in western Oregon, northwestern Oregon on our, on our cackling geese. And then it seems to be a pretty good year for snow geese to at the areas where we do winter snow geese.
3: Awesome. Thank you for that report, Brandon. Let me ask you a a bit of a follow up question here. And I will say thank you for mentioning the habitat condition aspect of that, how there's some recent rain uh, changed habitat conditions. Generally, it sounds for the better, uh, unless it put too much water in some of those um, some of those areas, uh, because I was trying to picture in my mind the type of habitats you had. Obviously, we talked about coastal tidal habitats. They're not going to be influenced as much by precipitation, obviously, but I was trying to frame up in my mind what other types of habitats you would have that would be able to take advantage of those variable weather conditions. And, and so... You covered that, so thank you for that. In terms of of that weather, you mentioned it's sort of stale, and you need some colder temperatures. Have either of you looked out in the forecast here over the next seven to ten days? Is there anything on the horizon? Are waterfowl hunters going to be given a Christmas present in terms of more favorable weather that you that you're seeing on the forecast? Well,
4: I'm, I'm not sure I'd call it a, a Christmas present, but I, I did take a look at the weather yesterday, and it, it you know, we. With this system that we got, it was a warm system. Um, you know, so our, our temperature yesterday was something like 55 degrees. So even though it was very ducky yesterday, spitting rain, sometimes very heavy rain at times, um, and quite windy all day long, you know, the temp was warm. I think the extended forecast here is a you know a, a change there where we're going to be cooler. I don't think we're talking any of those freezing type temperatures that, that really tend to make things a little bit a little bit better, but certainly you know when your your highs in the 40s and lows in the 30s are a lot better than highs you know approaching 60 in December so
3: and Kyle i guess the weather forecast that would be influencing issues there in Oregon th- the important areas in those states are so close together that a weather forecast for Oregon is generally going to correspond to what you might see in Washington
1: yeah pretty close i mean we 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 both mentioned sort of this west east divide of the Cascades you know the ba- the basic underlying piece of that is the west side gets rain and water and the east side is dry drier uh certainly and so it's one of those yeah keeping an eye on sort of rain and precip uh, as brandon was describing sort of flooding pastures and sort of river floodplains on the west side of the state and on the east side of the state it is definitely much more of a that sort of tipping point of the the cold hard enough freeze that you're pushing birds into those sort of lower uh lower areas actually still have some open water and uh, as he said, somewhere right around Christmas, it looks like what what starts happening is a little bit more of a cold snap on the east side. And, and the other piece that he mentioned is, yeah, we're getting this sort of warm rain surge coming in from the ocean. But at the same time, we're having this sort of cold push from from Alaska. And so in, in Washington, particularly in our on the west side, Puget Sound, sort of marine waters, uh, that's very, yeah you suddenly get the sort of swirl that might might start happening and kind of birds shifting around and in the local area I, I, whether or not that's really truly new birds coming in or just birds that have been around that are having to suddenly figure out new areas that's always that's always part of the debate but uh yeah there's there's some change on the horizon at least from the uh the weather aspect
3: well i can tell you that I don't think hunters are going to care very much whether they are new birds or whether they are birds that have been around and they're just finding their way into the decoys. As long as they find their way into the decoys, the hunters will be happy, right?
4: That's right. That's that's true.
3: (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I did a couple other things I did want to mention here before we wrap this up. Obviously, the Klamath Basin is is a highly important area for waterfowl in Oregon, and we're not going to totally ignore that. I want our listeners here to be aware that later today, I have another uh, session, uh, an interview scheduled with uh, John Radenberg, Fish and Wildlife Service employee down in the Klamath region. So, we will have a special episode dedicated solely to an update on habitat and waterfowl conditions in the Klamath Basin so I just want to make sure I worked that in into this conversation here so people realize that we uh, certainly are not overlooking that important area let's see uh, final question Uh, Brandon uh, I'm going to guess that these seasons are pretty similar if not exactly the same between your two states so what are the seasons how long do the the duck seasons continue there in Oregon and you can answer for Washington too if you if you know that those are the same
4: Yeah. So they, they, they pretty much are both our states. We have two, two zones, but those zones are very similar in their season timing. So our zone two, which is kind of that high, high elevation area in Eastern Oregon, uh, it's going to continue through, I believe the 24th of January this year. Um, and then our zone one, which is all of Western Oregon and then the Eastern Oregon counties along the Columbia, which are low elevation wintering areas, that will continue through the 31st of January. So just a one week difference there. Um, and our, our opening dates are that are, you know, also just have that one week difference. So, you know, as many of the listeners may know, the Pacific Flyway is, is blessed with a longer duck season than, than a lot of the, the more Eastern Flyway, simply because, um, you know, much lower numbers of, of hunters. So, you know, we've got 107 day season. And so we're looking for a duck season there to wrap up at the, the end of January, you know, basically as late as you can go. And then our goose seasons, most of the uh, goose seasons will close about the same time. But with with some of the high goose number, migrant goose numbers, we have specifically cackling geese here in western Oregon and then snow geese in several of the areas that we've already mentioned. Uh, we've got some later opportunities um, in, in just various parts of the state that will go all the way through March 10 in some areas.
3: And Kyle, those dates uh, capture the seasons uh in washington as well
4: in general yeah the dates
1: change a little bit but for duck season as brandon said, we we take advantage of the full 107 in the pacific flyway and so we run both of our zones in for duck seasons in washington act as one so we run until the last sunday which this year is the 31st of january and then uh and, and for goose season opportunities it just depends on the zone we have five different zones and Sort of of it's a mix and match depending on what what sort of the focus. And so there are a couple areas that are open late for snow goose opportunity um, into February. And then there's uh, an area that's open for cackling goose opportunity, like what Brandon was mentioning, uh, trickling all the way into March in some cases.
3: Excellent. Guys, I appreciate your time and providing these very informative updates. I always learn a lot anytime I talk with our waterfowl biologists from states that I'm not familiar with and Washington and Oregon certainly fall into that category. We've actually had a fair number of conversations about some issues in those two states though this year. So I feel like I'm actually gaining a bit of knowledge through this. So I appreciate that. And yeah, let's wrap this one up. And we will, as I said, we're going to have you all back to discuss um, goose harvest management issues in your respective states. So thank you guys.
4: You bet. Thanks, Mike.
3: A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Kyle Spragans, Waterfowl Section Manager with Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife and Brandon Reiches, the Migratory Gamebird Coordinator for Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. We thank them for their time and the update from, from the field. As always, we thank our producer, Clay Baird, for the work he does on editing and getting these podcasts out to you and to you, the listener. We thank you for your time and interest in the podcast and for your support, passion, and commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation.